anointing now is discharged into ministry by consecration and I think for so many of us we've been filled with the Holy Spirit but we haven't allowed ourselves to be a flow through for the Holy Spirit we're set apart for God we're saved but now we have to say Lord I'm willing to be a flow through so that this can discharge through I've emptied by God's grace God has emptied me out and he wants to flow through me that's where consecration happens God won't automatically use you for ministry. He isn't going to push you where he wants you to go. He simply asks you to follow. Pastor Daniel today will encourage you to become a vessel where God can be revealed through you to other people. You can give your heart to God, but you can also then ask him to use you as he sees fit. God will lead you in your steps. You can trust that he's taking you exactly where he knows you'll be useful. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Exodus chapter 28 as he continues his message, Consecration. So it's a beautiful thing that this priest, he wears this turban and head coverings was a sign of submission in that culture, right? But they would have this gold plate, holiness to the Lord. These people are set apart. They're not like everybody else. They're unique. They're distinct. They've been set apart and declared as unique and special unto the Lord, unto God. And you can imagine every time you saw the high priest, imagine if you were just there in the tabernacle or in the temple and you saw the high priest rolls out and every time you see holiness to the Lord. What a witness. I have a friend who's, is studying to be an Orthodox rabbi. And he, he was telling me that in most of the synagogues up over the altar, there's a sign that says, know before whom you stand. And I thought to myself, man, that's pretty powerful, isn't it? I mean, imagine if we lived our lives in that way, that we lived our lives as, hey, we stand before the true and living God at every juncture. We stand before him. And that's what that plate is all about. The people are constantly being reminded, I'm holiness unto the Lord. And the priest is constantly being reminded that I represent a special people set apart for God and for God's special purposes. God's special purpose. The theme of the book of Leviticus, the next book we're going to read is, be holy as the Lord your God is holy. That's the most common line in the book of Leviticus. The book is all about God's holiness, his distinctness, his otherness. And that's right there, right there on the headgear. Now, verse 39, the tunic, which is the complete undergarment, you shall skillfully weave the tunic of fine linen thread. You shall make the turban of fine linen and you shall make the sash of woven work. Now it's interesting. You notice that every single piece of gear is made of fine linen. It's all cotton. Why? Because the priests were not supposed to sweat before the Lord. Don't miss that. There's no fleece. There's no wool. Why? Because we do not work for our salvation. It's a gift. 
And we have to be careful not to be like, I'm serving the Lord so hard, I'm tired. No, 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 no. We rest in the Lord. And we serve him because of his grace. The undergarment was fine linen. It was meant to be, to breathe. Why? Because no one's supposed to be sweating in the presence of God. Because we're saved by grace apart from works. Now, in verses 40 to 43, we get all of the accessories. So, you know, if you think about this from a fashion point, this is the accessorizing moment here. It says, for Aaron's sons shall make tunics and you shall make sashes for them and you shall make hats for them for glory and beauty. So you shall put on Aaron, your brother, and on his sons with him, you shall anoint them, consecrate them, and sanctify them, that they may minister to me as priests, and you shall make for them linen trousers to cover their nakedness. They shall reach from the waist to the thighs. They shall be on Aaron and on his sons when they come into the tabernacle of meeting, or when they come near the altar to minister in the holy place that they do not incur iniquity and die. It shall be a statute forever to him and his descendants after him. Now, not only is the gear for the high priest, but also all of Aaron's sons who were high priests and waiting, part of that priestly family. So they're all going to be done in tunics, sashes, so like the belts, hats, those turbans, They're for beauty and for glory. We talked about that last week. Notice, it says, you shall put them on Aaron, verse 41, your brother, and on his sons with them. You shall anoint them, consecrate them, sanctify them, that they may minister to me as priests. Now, notice those four. There's a four-step process for them. You shall anoint them, you shall consecrate them, You shall sanctify them that they may minister to me. So first the anointing, the application of the anointing oil on their head. So the first step in being set apart to be a priest is the anointing of them. And when you think of that oil, that oil is a picture of what? The Holy Spirit. You cannot be a priest of the Most High God if you are not born again. And if you are born again, if you said, look, I not only was born physically, I've been reborn spiritually by the power of God because of the finished work of Jesus. And now the spirit of God dwells in me. Now, I realize we live in a day and age where everything's spiritual. It's amazing. I talk to people all the time. Oh, yeah, I'm spiritual. Well, what does that mean? That's my favorite question. Even some of them, I believe in God. Well, which God do you believe in? I'm always looking for clarification. Because everything is spiritual today. You know, it's like we don't have... When you think of the word spiritual, it means something eternal, something otherworldly. And when most people say, well, I'm spiritual, what does that mean? Why do yoga? Well, not you're just stretching. (laughs) And don't get me wrong, stretching's not a bad thing, and probably some more of us should do more stretching. But that's not spiritual. You're just stretching. And the last time I, I did like a little one of these, I wasn't like, yeah, dude, I'm so spiritual. Yeah. yeah. You just don't do that, right? You're like, oh, yeah, I'm godly, I'm godly. It's like you don't do that. You're just stretching your body out. And don't get me wrong, your body plays into our spiritual experiences, but stretching is not spiritual. True spirituality 
happens when the Spirit of God comes and lives inside of you through faith in Jesus. That's how it happens. That is when the eternal God takes up residence inside you. You are not spiritual by nature of being human. You are just human. You're just human. And no matter how much you talk to spiritual mumbo-jumbo, and listen, you can learn a whole lot of cool words about being enheartened and all these things. Listen, I, I was in the Bay Area before I got here. I heard all of it. There's a whole lingo you can come up with, and you're very spiritual. And it's all just words. It's like, like, I could talk to you about stocks. Doesn't mean I, I've ever invested a penny. They're just words. So true spirituality begins with the filling of the Holy Spirit that comes by faith in Jesus. And that's the first step in being a priest. First, you're anointed with that holy oil. Then you're consecrated. Now, the word consecrated, it literally means the filling of an open hand. That's what it means. It means something is empty and you're filling it up. So that anointing now is discharged into ministry by consecration. And I think for so many of us, we've been filled with the Holy Spirit, but we haven't allowed ourselves to be a flow through for the Holy Spirit. We're set apart for God. We're saved, but now we have to say, Lord, I'm willing to be a flow through so that this can discharge through. I've emptied by God's grace. God has emptied me out and he wants to flow through me. That's where consecration happens. And then, of course, sanctification literally means to be made clean, to be made set apart. It refers to spiritual and moral separation of the priest from defilement. And that is that process of sanctification. And if you've been born again, and you're saying, God, I want you to flow through my life, we're all growing. Like we say here, one of our core values is that everyone is in process which means that God ain't finished with any of us yet. And each passing day, we should see us changing. We should say, look, I'm not what I used to be, and I'm not what I'm going to be, but I'm moving in the right direction. That's how I like to say it. Because every single day is an opportunity to grow, to say, look, okay, I'm here now. If I look back six months ago, I've come a long way. And that's what you want to see. Because listen, fruit is born in its season. A peach which I just had a great one today with dinner. So good. It's the time for peaches. If I would have eaten a peach a month ago, it still would have been a peach, but it's not really all that ripe. It's not like the ones when, you know, when you eat it and you get the, yeah, the, yeah, yeah, the peach juice, you know, it's good, right? Whereas like you take a bite and the whole thing falls apart and the pit falls out. Like, this is awesome. Our spiritual fruit bearing is a lot like that. It happens in season. And the key for us is to not freak out that the fruit isn't ripe. Because the fruit trees don't do that. They're not freaking out in the wintertime that there's no fruit. They realize it's wintertime. And fruit-bearing season is still in the spring and summer. So the idea is God's going to bear his fruit in season in our lives. But that idea of being sanctified, it's that, hey, Lord, I've been born again. I want to be used for you in ministry. And now we're starting to see that detachment from the things that used to hold me back. They don't hold me back anymore. And then ultimately, you end up as ministers to the Lord as priests. Who do they minister to? To me, to the Lord. I'll keep making the point. True ministry is unto God, not unto people. You'll know when you're ministering for people, because if they don't give you what you want, then you stop serving. 
And you're really not serving the Lord. You're serving yourself because you want something from them. You want them to say thank you. So when we serve the Lord, it doesn't matter what anyone else does because we're doing it unto, unto him and he sees. But when you're doing it for a person and they don't give you the response that you want, then you get frustrated. And we all know what that's like. We've all done that. Where we do something, we know it's the right thing, but we're really not doing it for God. We're doing it for someone else. Then we get frustrated when they don't give us the reinforcement we think we deserve. So these are priests unto the Lord. They serve the Lord and the people got the benefit. And then finally, in these verses here in verse 42, God wanted them to have linen trousers. Notice from their waist to their thighs. God's saying, look, I want you to wear boxer shorts. That's This is what this is. In that day, most people went commando. There wasn't a big undergarment industry. If you don't know what I'm talking about, don't Google it. Don't Google it. It meant they went without underwear. That's what that means. So don't, please don't Google it. God forbid. What does going commando mean? The pictures will freak you out. Don't do it. I'm warning you. But the priest would have to walk up steps. There's all these steps. And so if you didn't wear undergarments and you're walking up steps, people might have an opportunity to see your nakedness. And they didn't want to do that. There was all sorts of pagan rituals in that day where they didn't do that. And that was part of the ritual. There were fertility rituals. There was all these things. So they, these priests were meant to be distinct. And God said, look, put them in boxers or boxer briefs from the waist down to the thighs so that you're covered up as they ascend the stairs, nobody will see their nakedness, okay? So that's all the gear. Now, as we move into chapter 29, we see now the consecration ceremony for Aaron and his sons. Look what it says in verse one. And this is what you shall do to them to hallow them for ministering to me as priests. Take one young bull and two rams without blemish, and unleavened bread, unleavened cakes mixed with oil, and unleavened wafers anointed with oil, you shall make them of wheat flour. You shall put them in one basket, and shall bring them in a basket, with the bull and two rams, and Aaron and his sons, you shall bring to the door of the tabernacle of meeting, and you shall wash them with water. Then you shall take the garments, put the tunic on Aaron, and the robe of the ephod, the ephod, the breastplate, and gird him with the intricately woven band of the ephod. You shall put the turban on his head and put the holy crown on the turban, and you shall take the anointing oil, pour it on his head, and anoint him. And you shall bring his sons and put tunics on them, and you shall gird them with sashes, Aaron and his sons, and put the hats on them, the priesthood shall be theirs for a perpetual statute. You shall consecrate Aaron and his sons. Now, here we're getting the layout for this. This is going to happen ultimately in Leviticus chapter 8, where it's actually going to happen formally. But he's giving them the layout. Now, first notice, there's going to be all sorts, there's this covenantal meal. We keep talking about this. There's these bulls and the rams and there's the unleavened bread, all of this. If you were here when we did the... Passover series. It all speaks to all these things. It's a covenantal meal once again, right? So we have all of these sacrifices. You bring them together, right? Aaron and his sons, first you go to the door of the tabernacle of being. So they're right at the entrance of the tent. And first they get a ceremonial washing, which you have to realize in that culture, this was long before their understanding of germs and all these other things. 
But this ceremonial washing was meant to be symbolic of you are being cleansed. You are being cleansed for this office. That is also why we do baptism today. Baptism is a ceremony of cleansing. That's what it means. So this is very much a part of Jewish culture long before the Christian church said, oh, this is about the death and resurrection of Jesus. So what's interesting is you'll find later, once they build the temple, they had things called the mikvah. And what the mikvah was, it was literally, it was like a dunk tank almost, where when people were made impure by touching dead animals or women with their customary impurity or all the different reasons, after that cleansing period, they would go to the mikvah and they would bathe there in and out and it would be a symbolic cleansing so that you could worship the Lord again. So the priests get this public washing. That's what they get. It's literally, they're getting washed in public and then they are getting dressed. First Aaron with all the different things, then his sons with all the different things. And notice there is once again the pouring on of oil that we saw before. And now we see it again in verse seven. Pour it on his head and anoint him. Symbolic once again of God's anointing, the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, notice that it says, the priesthood shall be theirs for a perpetual statute. That's in verse nine. So the tribe of Levi, Aaron and his sons, they were given by birthright the priesthood. Okay, and that's also why Jesus of the tribe of Judah in the book of Hebrews is called the priest according to the order of Melchizedek. Because Jesus wasn't of the priestly tribe, he was of the kingly tribe of Judah, but he still functions in a priestly office. And so if you've read the book of Hebrews, you see he's a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. And that refers us back to the book of Genesis. If you were here with us many moons ago when we were in Genesis, we talked about how Melchizedek received an offering from Abram after the conquering of the kings. So we have to remember that, that the Levites are given to the Lord for the priesthood and the people receive the benefit of their ministry. Now in verse 10, we see this whole atonement ceremony. It says this, you shall also have the bull brought before the tabernacle of meeting, verse 10, and Aaron and his sons shall put their hands on the head of the bull then you shall kill the bull before the Lord by the door of the tabernacle of meeting. You shall make some of the blood of the bull and put it on the horns of the altar with your fingers and pour all the blood beside the base of the altar. And you shall take all the fat that covers the entrails, the fatty lobe attached to the liver and the two kidneys and the fat that is on them and burn them on the altar, but the flesh of the bull with its skin and its offal, you shall burn with fire outside the camp. It is a sin offering. You shall also take one ram and Aaron and his son shall put their hands on the head of the ram and you shall kill the ram and you shall take its blood and sprinkle it all around on the altar. Then you shall cut the ram in pieces, wash its entrails and its legs and put them with its pieces and with its head and you shall burn the whole ram on the altar. It is a burnt offering to the Lord. It is a sweet aroma, an offering made by fire to the Lord. 
Verse 19, you shall also take the other ram, and Aaron and his son shall put their hands on the head of the ram, and you shall kill the ram, and shall take some of its blood and put it on the tip of the right ear of Aaron, and on the tip of the right ear of his sons, on the thumb of his right hand, and on the big toe of their right foot, and sprinkle the blood all around the altar. And you shall take some of the blood that is on the altar, and some of the anointing oil, and sprinkle it on Aaron and on his garments, on his sons, and on the garments on his sons with him. And he and his garments shall be hallowed, and his sons and his sons' garments with him. Also you shall take the fat of the ram, the fat tail, the fat that covers the entrails, the fatty lobe attached to the liver, the two kidneys, and the fat on them, the right thigh, for it is a ram of consecration, one loaf of bread, one cake made with oil, one wafer from the basket of the unleavened bread that is before the Lord, and you shall put all these in the hands of Aaron and in the hands of his sons, and you shall wave them as a wave offering before the Lord. You shall receive them back from the hands and burn them on the sweet on the altar as a burnt offering. It is a sweet aroma before the Lord. It is an offering made by fire to the Lord. You shall take the breast of the ram of Aaron's consecration and wave it as a wave offering before the Lord, and it shall be your portion. Verse 27. And from the ram of the consecration, you shall consecrate the breast of the wave offering, which is waved, and the thigh of the heave offering, which is raised, of that which is for Aaron and of that which is for his sons. It shall be from the children of Israel for Aaron and his sons by a statute forever, for it is a heave offering. It shall be a heave offering from the children of Israel, from the sacrifices of their peace offerings, that is, their heave offerings to the Lord. All right, does that make sense to everybody? Everyone's like, okay. Pretty much what you get in this consecration ceremony from verse 10 to 28 is in verses 10 to 14, you get what is called the sin offering. We're going to see all of this again at greater depth when we get into the book of Leviticus The very first series we're going to do is going to be called Sacrifice. And we're going to look at each specific sacrifice. It's much more amplified than here. But first you get the sin offering. Notice that the sin offering, Aaron and his sons lay their hands on the sin offering's head. Why? Because it's a way of identification. It's saying, look, we are taking our sins and we are transferring it to this animal that's going to die in our place. Now, if you've been around the Bible at all, you realize that the cross of Jesus Christ... That is exactly what happened. He made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Jesus is real. The consecration of the priests, Pastor Daniel began describing today, stands as a reminder that there needs to be a sacrifice for sin. No one whose heart has been darkened by sin can come into God's presence. He's simply too holy and too perfect. Not even the priests were exempt from confessing and atoning for their sins. God gave you one sacrificial lamb to cover sin for all time, though. Jesus. 
Hey everybody, I want to invite you to join me in reaching people with the message that Jesus is real. Would you pray about partnering with us in the ministry of Jesus is Real Radio? Your support in this way helps us to keep sharing God's word and helps us reach more and more people. Thank you for considering partnering. Find out more at JesusIsRealRadio.com. I'd love for you to be part of the Crossroads Community Church family, but I understand some of our listeners can't make it to the actual church building. If that's you, come join us online. We live stream our Sunday morning services at CrossroadsChurch.net. So grab a cup of coffee and join us wherever you are for our time of worship and teaching. Place a marker in your Bibles and join us next time as Pastor Daniel continues to describe the ceremonies surrounding the consecration of the priests and the offerings needed to atone for sin. Each piece, as it has already, points to Jesus. Jesus is our great high priest, capable of taking sins away. He's also your king, worthy of your praise and honor forevermore. Well... That's all the time we have for today's broadcast. On behalf of Pastor Daniel and the entire production team, we invite you to join us again for the next edition of Jesus is Real Radio.